Hello and welcome to the JLA Cast, a podcast in which we explore life in the time of Grant Morrison across the DC universe and beyond. My name's John and I'm the writer and creator of Afterlife Inc. And I'm PJ and I am the writer of the graphic novel adaptation of Steve Jackson's The Trolltooth Wars. Oh, we're back PJ and it's exciting times. It is an exciting time. I feel like we're, I don't know, we're actually on the cusp of a new, a new era. It feels like a yeah, I don't know. We're about to finish uh, year one, and that's that feels like a big deal somehow. I'm excited for the future. I think it is a big deal, because it's it's easily the, the biggest book we've looked at in all these trades we've picked up to cover these these comics. Jay, this is the one that contains the most issues. That's, oh, God, yes, it's probably even bigger than... I was trying to think of a comparison, like... Uh, yes, it's probably even bigger than one of like the fat compendiums, like um, Justice for All or... Um, I don't know, uh, uh, one million or something like that. Yeah. yeah, they've they've got like I want to say like eight maybe issues, eight nine issues max. But this this was twelve issues. You know, this is a year of comics in one book. We um we were just chatting. We'll, we'll we'll get to this at the end of the episode. But we were just having a little chat off air about what comes next, you know. And so we were updating our spreadsheet. We got a big spreadsheet. We were making plans, um, and uh, we were popping on to the uh, uh, the official. Uh, official semi-official like dc fandom wiki to like just check a few key stats and the like and um i was on i was on i just want to bring this up pj because i have no one else in the world to talk to about this (laughs) i was on uh the marvel official wiki fandom thing this morning Mm. uh looking up the crossing avengers the crossing oh why yeah well because i was like maybe i'm just reaching a weird point in my life where i was like you know I've heard a lot about The Crossing. I've heard a lot of, like, accusations levelled at The Crossing. Maybe I should just go and try The Crossing, and maybe, like, it won't actually be as bad as I as I hear it is. And then I was kind of amazed to find that, actually, on the semi-official Marvel wiki, it just basically says that it wasn't well-received, it's confusing, inconsistent, uh, and no one seems to have any idea what's happening at any point in the story. And I was like, "Oh, okay, that's a that's a that's a glowing recommendation." There, I I've actually read The Crossing. Um, you were the guy. Yeah. Well, a few years ago, I was when I was doing my um, I, I wanted to reread Onslaught, but like from the start and with all the tie-ins and stuff, I felt like I actually once you hit a certain point, I felt like I couldn't really read Onslaught without also reading The Crossing. Because that mm. sets up a lot of where the Avengers are during Onslaught and sort of leads into it as well. And so, yeah, I read it for the first time and I was like, what the hell is this? Well, it's funny that, like, even the, you know, the wiki page can't mention The Crossing without subsequently mentioning Kurt Busiek and 
Carlos uh, Pacheco's um, the, 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 the Forever War, the Destiny War, or mm. Forever War, and uh, Avengers Forever, and and the significant retconning that was done. So I think it may have been subconsciously in my head because I'm watching Loki season two at the moment, and obviously, yeah, you know, Kang, 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 clearly. You know, I think I just it was making me think about Kang, and for some reason the crossing just kind of bubbled up. It's bad. It's really bad. <laughs> well, I mean, like maybe maybe we didn't know onslaught was coming at the time, but like it was in it was in the air. Something had to change. The crossing was so bad they had to kill off all the Avengers to fix it. It's like a scorched earth policy. <laughs> yeah. like we have to we have to erase the entire the entire editorial team and and publishing roster just to like scour this from our minds. Yeah, we have to sell the Avengers to Image to make it work. Hey, tell you what, PJ, to talk about something completely different and very happy, and I aware, I'm, I'm aware that I brought up the crossing, so this is on me. <laughs> but something wonderful has been added to UK Netflix of late. Are you? Uh, do you know what this is? Well, do you know what? I think we're on the same page because one of the things <laughs> I wanted to talk about today. Oh, is okay, okay, grand. Yeah. My uh, my eight month old son. I have started introducing him to Justice League. <laughs> oh my god. Um. <laughs> It was it was honestly like the clouds parted, going, oh, what are we going to watch? What are we going to watch? Oh, we're so spoiled. We've got so much content. I don't want to watch any of it. Let's open Netflix. Good God. Season one of Justice League in its entirety. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Lucy and I just mainlined it in a week. And <laughs> it's so good, PJ. It's so, so good. So with, uh, with my son, we're just doing like one episode every morning at the weekend. So we started last weekend with the first episode and then we did part two of Secret Origins yesterday and part three this morning. So we've only done Secret Origins so far, but yeah, it's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's such it's, a good cartoon. I watched it like, I remember watching it at university way back in mm. uh the, the 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 before times way back in um oh god like 2006 i want to say yeah and uh i watched it in a semi legal capacity uh because i was streaming it off some kind of like um oh god just one of those old websites that used to like con- con- pirate and conglomerate i'm not i don't feel proud about it but it was the only way i could i could access it and i'm i try not to do that anymore uh, but um, uh, yeah, I remember I would like, you know, terrible dial-up internet. I would set up an episode because they're about, you know, some they're all two parters or three parters, so we're yeah. talking like forty minutes or an hour. I set it up to buffer, and then I'd walk away and go cook a meal, you know, <laughs> and then come back twenty minutes later, knowing that I might just have like half an episode ready to watch now because that's how bad the internet was. Yeah, but I loved it then, and. Watching it again in 2023, I'm like, you know what? This wasn't rose-tinted goggles. It, it it really is very good. Yes. It's so refreshing. Yeah, well, I knew they'd put Batman the Animated Series on Netflix, so I was going to put that on. I thought, let's start him on, on Batman. And then I searched it, and Justice League came up as well. And I was like, oh, no, we have to start here. I know Batman the Animated Series comes before, but I have to start him here and introduce him, my eight-month-old son, who won't remember this at all, to the Justice League. <laughs> No, but it'll be like Senk's memories, PJ. Yeah. You may not remember the plot, but yeah. like, you know, you'll remember Superman. Well, I think he's already got his favourites. He seems to pay most attention when either Batman or the Flash are on screen. Well, it yeah, I mean, and, and who could blame him? He's got good taste. Yes, well, especially since the Flash is Wally West, the best Flash, so... 
I I went on a IMDb trivia kind of deep mining session for the show. And apparently, up until surprisingly late in the show, they weren't certain which Flash it was under the mask. Yeah, that makes sense because you, you, they don't reveal his identity until the well, the end of Justice League, isn't it? Before just before yeah. they become Justice League Unlimited with the Thanagarian invasion. He's definitely he's definitely more of a Wally. I'd yeah, say. the the character of the, it's clearly Wally. That is not Barry Allen. <laughs> with his the character of the Flash is not Barry Allen. What I find interesting, and I I you know. I don't, I, I'm not trying to be too much of like a grump here, uh, although this is, you know, we, this is a, a crotchety old show hosted by crotchety old men. Hello. Um, <laughs> hello, we're here. Um, I feel like, generally speaking, across pop culture, we, we've seen quite a change in an approach to storytelling. Mm. And, and I think a lot of that has been led by the success of the MCU. Mm-hmm. Uh, and obviously, you know, I've, I've, I've been along for the ride. I've, I've loved it. You know, most of the way, I think, um, kind of checked out after Endgame, and um, I, I think uh, hasn't haven't really resonated with a lot of stuff now. Uh, but it, it's very interesting going back to this cartoon, which is you know twenty two years old now. Or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And it's interesting, I would say, how slow it is, mm. and I mean that in a good way. How kind of like measured, well paced. How they actually take the time to do characterization to develop to have like three act structures like i was surprised at just how they just treated it like good like just good solid storytelling like they never they never kind of like because because it's effectively a multi it's not really a multiverse but you know what i mean like they're dealing with like a lot of franchises they're bringing a lot of new characters in they're trying to tie it all together and like i believe this world utterly yeah it just it just feels very grounded and obviously it's the same universe that the batman and superman animated series we'd already had was set in as well it was it was like i know marvel had sort of done it in the 90s with some of their cartoons were supposed to be in the same universe but then there were loads of inconsistencies there it didn't quite work but dc made sure it worked from the beginning of batman the animated series to the end of justice league unlimited that is one run of of one universe and it works so well well yeah and they're having to like they're having to juggle like a lot of concepts because, like you know, I mean, at the point this comes out, like what we've had the Batman animated series, which is, you know, massive. You have a Superman mm. animated series, which is really good and popular, but not quite as big as the Batman one. And it's just interesting that, like, culturally, people were familiar with Superman and Batman, possibly because of the movies and the cartoons. But, you know, they're having to introduce you to a lot of characters which didn't have that kind of wider appeal. And they come with baggage. You know, you've got to explain why does Flash have powers? Who the heck is Green Lantern? That sort of thing. Hawk Girl. Hawk Girl. Yes, quite, quite. <laughs> and I just think they 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 completely stick the landing. Like, they're, like in the same challenge that, you know, the DC uh, Cinematic Universe face, that the Marvel Cinematic Universe face that they're having to introduce you to a lot of characters, a lot of concepts. They've got to hold your hand and make you believe that these characters exist in the same world. Yeah. And they just they just seem to, I don't know, I didn't feel like I was strapped to a dizzying roller coaster, you know, uh, just holding on for, for dear life. Like, I, it just, I was amazed at how, I, I just, I breathed a sigh of relief, PJ. Like, the opening episode is so slow. And I was like, oh my God, this is well, amazing. Yeah, that's it. You get Batman... And then Superman pops in as well, which it makes sense to start with those two. You've already established those characters, so you start with the world's finest. That makes sense. And then 
you get glimpses of Wonder Woman, and then the rest of the characters don't really show up until the second episode. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. And and just like the same vibe I got from Morrison's Justice League, where even if you don't know the long history of these characters, you don't have to go and read it all because you just get a sense that they know each other and they trust each other. Yeah. I like the easy working relationship between Batman and Superman. Yes. <laughs> yeah, just in the, in the opening episode, it just kind of tells you everything you need to know about these characters. And yeah. sometimes all the world building you need to do is not have a character be surprised when a guy dressed as a bat turns up. Yeah. Because they're just aware that there is a Batman in the world. It's great. Yeah, that's it. This Before this cartoon, I don't think I cared about Hawkgirl at all. And this cartoon mm. made me love her. Oh, God, yeah. No, it's it's so funny, isn't it? Because, like, of course, if if you're a Magnificent Seven purist, you'd be like, where's Aquaman? Yeah. Why, do, why, why no Aquaman? I'm grumpy. But, like, it's a credit to the, just the, the, the strength of the scripts that basically, like, Hawk Girl is a real character. And like, and even if initially you're like, well, why is she on the league? You just, you instantly, she's great. Yeah. You know, and particularly like what's going to come because they've only put season one on Netflix. So there's some fantastic character, uh, character building stuff coming up with her. I'm, I hope they add the second season soon because I want more. Oh, they better put the rest of it on there. If they only give us the first season, I will kick off. I want all of it and Justice League Unlimited. <laughs> we, we've, um, I think we've mentioned it on the show before, but the the episode where they fight the Injustice Gang mm. and Batman quietly dominates the entire episode despite being tied up. Uh, I always had fond memories of that episode, and yeah. then coming back to it again, going like, "Good God, it is it is brilliant! Actually, it's really good." <laughs> and I like that even though they've replaced Aquaman with Hawk Girl in the Big Seven because fair enough, they wanted to have more than one woman on the team. Totally get it. But then you get that Aquaman two-parter quite early on as well, so you do get your Aquaman fix in there. Yes, and I hadn't realised, and this this comes from the uh, deep trivia dive I did, that um, that is meant to be... You might know this better than IPJ, but apparently they had previously introduced Aquaman in the Superman yes. show. Yes, yeah. And they had gone with a more kind of classic depiction of him. Yeah, the orange top and shorter hair, I think. So they went then they they were like oh an, an interesting thing um um that came up from the uh this trivia deep dive was was how expressly the show was inspired by the success of Morrison's Justice League. You can see it. That first three parter pale aliens invading from Mars with shape shifting powers, you know. It's <laughs> I know. I I it's still I, I was thinking to myself like it's, it was odd to me that they didn't just say they were white martians yeah uh but i figured that may have been like one too many weird concepts for the they've already have the the the, the, the viewer already has to accept that there are martians so like i don't mind that they're just like invaders but yeah i it, it, interestingly like it expressly said that like the show was kind of greenlit to capitalize on the revitalized success and popularity of justice league mm. for following the morrison thing but they um they apparently were like well, Morrison's kind of shown how it can be done, but also, like, we think the Morrison series is basically far too dark to adapt verbatim. That's fair. Which is fair, which is fair. I mean, there are certain things which, uh, yeah, you probably probably wouldn't translate well to uh, a cartoon, although I would have loved to have seen them. Yes. Yeah. Kind of sad too. we didn't get the Starro thing. That would have been fun. Yeah. Or, and, and you know, 
Prometheus animated in the Bruce Timm oh. style. Come on, how cool would that have looked? I and I, I did take slight issue to one thing. Apparently, um, they decided to combine the Watchtower with the JLA satellite for the yeah. TV show because Bruce Timm felt that it was impractical or, or slightly unrealistic that they would have a base on the moon. He felt it was a bit too far away. And I'm like, oh, Tim, Tim, you do good work, <laughs> but don't don't come for the Watchtower, Tim. I know, but I do kind of like the satellite headquarters in the base and then in Unlimited when it sort of turns into a whole bunch of satellites that they all <laughs> hang out on. It, it is a it is no it is it is very it is a very good satellite. Mm. I gotta say if I have if I have one if I have one criticism, PJ, uh, one heartfelt criticism of the show, is that it could be subtitled Justice League colon characters getting shot in the back. <laughs> it does happen to Superman a lot. Oh oh, and Jean like yeah like Jean is just constantly getting cold clocked in the back of the head like at most scenes end with someone getting shot from behind but it's, it's the fact as well though that this show would end up adapting some really classic comic book storylines that weren't JLA stories like it adapts the Superman war world story but just oh, adds yeah, in members of the Justice League as well and does it so well I yes and I, I think that's the kind of that's the kind of revelation here. I think um, we, we, to compare it to, say, the current MCU, I think we're at a stage now where, because the MCU has been so successful, creative teams are now coming in who are making an MCU movie, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, like What they are trying to do is create stuff in the style of an MCU film and I, I think that's kind of why we're getting you know, to some extent pe- people are starting to become aware now of some of the um the tropes that they employ and yeah. that yeah. there is an element of repetitiveness yeah. um and i think what the creators on this were doing were just trying to tell stories like you know they were coming from oh we've worked on the batman animated show we've worked on superman heck we've come direct from comics you know yeah i think just taking their time and just letting stories breathe um yeah it's it's just it's like a it's like a breath of fresh air it's because they do um whatever happened no um oh what is it the 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 superman annual story that alan moore wrote about superman's birthday oh. and the black orchid and they basically do it verbatim they just don't have robin in it <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's 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 such a nice approach to adaptation, like not shoeing shoehorning too much stuff in. For the man who has everything, that's what it's called. There we go. Interestingly, um, and I think this might be quite telling. I had a I had a random conversation with with someone who uh, this week, who for lack of a better word, I'll just describe as a normal person. By oh, which I one mean of the flat scans. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, a Hume yeah by which I mean uh, you know somebody who's not in the comic space and doesn't care about these things in the way that say you or I care about Mm -hmm. them and they themselves like unprompted were like are you watching the Justice League cartoon on uh, on Netflix and they were like it's brilliant it's simple it's straightforward all I need to know is that there are people wearing capes and they punch bad guys yep and I was like, oh, my God. I think that kind of says a lot, actually. <laughs> yeah. No, agreed. 
Agreed. Oh, uh, I love it so much. Um, something else that's cool, PJ. Ooh, what else is um, cool, John? Well, since we last recorded, um, I've been to MCM London. Oh, yes. How was that? Uh, it was fantastic. Uh, it was our best. Well, I mean, let me caveat that. Um, management is still a nightmare. Standard. Uh, Dealing with the venue staff is still very difficult. Standard. Security teams, yeah. yep. Security, security teams are um, uh, fastidious, shall we say? Even if you've got uh, the right lanyard on. However, it's a fantastic show. It was our best MCM London ever, which was amazing. But I met someone at the show that is very pertinent to um, this this episode, PJ. This episode. Okay. This episode. Uh, you well, met- actually, no. The last 12 episodes, I would say. You met Barry Kitson. I met Barry Kitson. Ah, oh, yes. Nailed it in one. <laughs> Which was very cool. Yeah. Um, so in the kind of um, talent pen where they uh, they kind of corral all the uh, all the artists, um, they had the, the quote-unquote famous people. So, you know, like there's, there's people like yeah, you and I, PJ, mm. who are nobodies and are treated as such. Uh, and then as you have only the- right. <laughs> As, as is only right, yeah. And then, and then you have, you know, the talented people who have achieved things in the industry, and of course they get they get put in. Well, I was going to say slightly nicer tables, but they're basically the exact same table, just a little nearer the door. Yeah. And um, Barry Kitson was among among them. And at one point, when I was running off to get coffee, I saw that uh, his table was unattended, as in like no no one was at he was at his he table. Was, yeah. No 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 one was at his table. I didn't I didn't nick anything. And um, he was he was sketching. He was probably doing a commission or something. Mm. And I just trotted over to him. And I was like, hello, um, Mr. Kitson. And he was like, yes, who the hell are you? <laughs> he didn't say that. He was very polite. And I said, um, I just want to say very quickly, my friend PJ and I, I didn't mention the podcast. I wasn't going to do it. I just said, we're currently revisiting key moments in, the DC, in, in DC history. And uh, we're going through year one. And I just want to say, on behalf of PJ and I, that your work on the series was um, was remarkable. Yeah. And he said, oh, thank you very much. That's very kind. And mm-hmm. then I, I I said, you're welcome. Thank you. And I, I, I just waved and went went on my way because I'm like, he's a busy man. He doesn't need me kind of yeah. gushing over him too much. But um, yeah, it was nice to see him and just say, yeah, good, good on yeah, you, Yeah, just, just, just say thank you. Yeah, it was good work. And he smiled. So hopefully that was... Um, a pleasant interaction for him. <laughs> I wonder if, like, he even thinks about this book anymore. Like, he ever thinks back and goes, do you know what? I enjoyed working on that book. I did good work on it. Or if it's just something he doesn't even, unless a fan brings it up. He's like, that was just another job. Do you think um, he may have forgotten he's worked on it? And I don't mean that as like a slight against Barry Kitson. I just mean that no, like, not at all. And, and he's worked on a lot of things. And I'm not saying specifically Barry Kitson. This is a general thing for creators uh, who are, who work in the higher echelons of the comic industry. Let's call it the Marvels and your DCs, and so they do these jobs for hire. They they do them very very well. They do excellent work on them, and then they just move on to the next thing. I do you know sometimes you do wonder do they. Does this even register? Does Barry Kitts... Did you say that? And he went, what is he talking about <laughs> in his brain? Well, you hear about, like, there are, you know, long, like, prolific actors who forget the movies they've been in. Yeah. Because they've just done so much. Like, I've forgotten stuff I've worked on. And I've not worked on... I've not I've not worked on nearly as many things mm. as, say, these professionals. And, like, so, yeah, God, I, I think it'd be incredibly easy to um, 
to forget. Um, yeah, and I guess like even even like the most talented people in the world, like sometimes, sometimes it's just a job. You yeah. know, it's you know they go, yeah, I I clocked in, I drew a beautiful twelve part series, and then I went home. You know, like, uh, uh, and it's, you know, and I think actually some of the best stuff in the world does come from people who were just doing a job, yeah. actually. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, so there we go. Hmm. So, yeah, that was nice. That was a pleasant interaction. Yeah. And hopefully, uh, because he was, he was, you know, one of the talent, hopefully he, he got escorted through the fancy secret tunnels and didn't have to, like, mingle, mingle with the crowds like the rest of us. No, the big names, they get, like, decadent lifts under their tables that just bring them up when it's time for them to start signing and then it takes them back down at the end of the day to the secret fancy restaurant where they serve caviar and stuff i'm glad you said fancy restaurant i thought you were going to suggest that they just got stored in like a little box (laughs) below the floor i wouldn't put it past the convention no well yeah (laughs) well we had the um the big um superstar presence was um critical role the uh the the, um dnd podcasting phenomenon would you even call it podcasting? Like, no, I think they do it as a podcast, but it's more of more Twitch and YouTube streaming, isn't it? And they were playing. I mean, I, I believe your uh, your uh, co-host on a different podcast, uh, Vince. I believe he went to their Wembley show. Yes, they had a they they did a live show at um, Wembley Arena, um, and I yeah, Vince Vince Hunt, my uh, my my warden on the. <laughs> Safe Space show on YouTube was there. Um, our mutual friend Anastasia Catris, she went as well. Um, in fact, big shout out to uh, Anna and her partner, uh, James, who um, had their engagement photo taken with the cast of Critical Role at MCM London. <laughs> oh, God, I didn't know that. I... I we we saw I saw Anna and James acts uh, at the at the convention and we had the loveliest chat with them and I did not I did not pick up on that. Well, there we go. Yeah. So big congratulations to them. But yeah, no, I I'm I'm quite jealous. I'm a big fan of Critical Role. I would have loved to go to that, but when you have a tiny baby, these things are difficult. The fa- the fascinating thing is um the Excel Center is very big. I've talked about this. Yes, it's, yeah. it's about it's about nine hundred meters in length. Well, um, it can fit a racetrack in it. It can fit a racetrack in it, and it has done. Yeah, the bizarre. Formula E, their London street track goes through the XL Centre. It's the first sort of major um, motor racing event that has an inside section. <laughs> and PJ, they're making it bigger. How? They well, uh, we went in May. And there were like signs up going like, we're going to be building new stuff. And then we didn't think anything of it. And then when we drove up, uh, you know, in this October, uh, there is a new uh, structure bolted onto one side of the Excel, which I can only describe as being about a third of the size of the original. Jeez. Now kind of growing out of one end. It looked like something out of Thunderbirds. Like it was absolutely colossal. Oh my God. Yeah. So like um, it's it's going to be over a kilometre now. It's It's just... And 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 the thing is, like we, you know, critical role, global superstars, like probably traveling with an entourage, and you know, and, and management people, you know, they could not. I, you know, people of that fame could not walk the central concourse no. of the Excel Center; they'd be mobbed. So there have to be secret tunnels. I, I mean, we, I think I know there are secret tunnels, but I don't know where they are because they're secret. But like, I saw photos posted on the MCM social channel 
of sections of the Excel Center I have never even physically seen, <laughs> um, which were like the, a colossal auditorium, like an absolutely gigantic auditorium with, you know, thousands of fans packed in cheering. And I was like, where the hell was that? You know, like, <laughs> I, I've never even seen that. Yeah. There were there were notable like ebbs in the crowd, like when Critical Role were doing like a panel, just the whole convention would just get quieter. Uh, yeah, it was it was it's just incredible. Yeah, no, I I would like to do an I to be honest, you know, I've never done an MCM actually, so I've only done one show in in the XL, and that was the London Super Comic Con back. Oh God, wow, how, how many years ago now? I can't remember. Um, where me and and Joe Glass were tabling together for Stiffs and the Pride, but that's the only time I've done a show in the XL, and it wasn't wasn't our best show, wasn't a bad show, but wasn't particularly great either. But um, yeah, I'd love to do a proper MCM there, I think, and I know that it would be a nightmare to get there and and sort it all out, but I, I feel like I'd enjoy the show itself. It's it's an interesting experience, and I think um, I would I would definitely recommend doing it. I think. Um... This is maybe not entirely a problem with MCM. I think it's just maybe a wider problem with any kind of pop culture convention of that size. Is that like you've got the artist alley area, which mm. is great. You've got the talent, you know, and say like, you know, you were into critical role, then their presence there would be a fantastic draw. But then everything else, and I'd say that's like 80% of the show floor, is kind of tat. Yeah, you know, it's like your key rings and your your your, your knockoff Pikachu plushies, that sort of thing. Yeah, and um, you know, it does get to a point where, like, you know, you're doing this kind of twice a year, and you're just like, I have kind of seen everything. <laughs> and I, I, all I ever see is like, you know, the table, the toilet, and the bagel stand, and then just rinse and repeat, basically. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> it's a magical experience, and every comics are great, and everyone should do it. Was it was it a good show for for Big Punch? It was a fantastic show for Big Punch. Oh. Yeah, it was. Um, uh, it was great. It was really wonderful. We, uh, um, like I said, it was our best ever MCM Lon- uh, MCM London. So just purely measuring MCM London's, it was fantastic, and it was on a par with our best ever convention, oh, which nice. was which was uh, UK Games Expo back in June. So yeah, we had a grand old time. Amazing, great stuff. And and also weren't you know we weren't entirely dead after it. Like that I was helps. ruined after the May one. That does help, not dying at your convention. Yeah, I mean, because, you know, I'm not getting younger, PJ. (laughs) (laughs) Who is? (laughs) My stamina stamina is not what it was. Like, um, and God, no, we don't even, you know, the the people with more energy than us would be like, oh, you're going to the bar on Saturday night. It's like, no, I'm going back to my shitty hotel to cry (laughs) and eat like a kind of potted salad. (laughs) Yeah, well, I remember going to the bar after London Super Comic Con and it was just stupidly busy. And then yeah. some random annoying cosplayers sat down at the same table as us. And it just frustrating. I, I don't want anyone listening to get the impression that we are curmudgeons. We're very No, we're we, very, we are curmudgeons, it's fine. We're very nice in person. We're very friendly. And you should I'm, always come up and say hello. I am fine with cosplayers, but then there are obnoxious cosplayers who just are frustrating. Oh god, uh, yeah, and PJ, and and that is basically the uh the official mascot of MCM because we've talked about it, but like they they kick everyone out, and you know the creators go to try and get food and a drink and go home and sleep, and the fifteen hundred 
uh, kind of underage cosplayers just have an illegal rave outside because they can't get into pubs yeah. and the security won't let them back into the Excel. Yeah. So, <laughs> it's like Mad Max. You're just kind of like navigating these like burning trash cans of people dressed as like Naruto or, um, you know, God, steampunks just going kind of like getting yeah. cheap bottles of off-brand vodka from a corner shop. Yep. <laughs> oh, comics are good. <sighs> they are in their way. <laughs> Well, speaking of which, Peter, should we should we talk talk about some comics? Let's talk about one specific comic, one specific comic uh, in uh, a very specific miniseries. Yes, we have finally reached the dramatic conclusion of JLA Year One. We have issue twelve. It's it's been a long old journey. This is this is yeah, crazy. I was um, obviously we have a spreadsheet. We've we've mentioned it before. I was updating um, the website just before we went online, going like, um, okay, so it's, it's issue twelve in a series that's called in a series <laughs> in a series that's called JLA Year One. And I was like, so what month did this come out? What month did issue twelve of a year long event come out? And I was like, oh god, yeah, of course, it's December. So, <laughs> uh, clearly, that's what's become of my mental state. Yeah, well, that'll happen. Sorry for the noise. I'm getting. I'm, my son's trying to sleep downstairs and I get nervous when he tries to sleep because it's unpredictable. So I'm fiddling with, um, well, I've just picked up a random dice from my desk and I dropped it. So I apologize. What did you, uh, what did you roll PJ? Uh, I rolled a five. Uh, it's not good. It doesn't bode <laughs> well. Hey, but you've got advantage PJ because you know, you know a lot about JLA. There we go. I'll re-roll. No, that's a three. <laughs> okay. No, no, never mind. Roll <laughs> move on, move on. Um, so PJ, where where are we as we as you know all the chess pieces are in place? So what's what's happening? Well, what's happening? the the uh, JLA are corralling the world's superheroes to fight back against the Appalachian invasion after they've you know kidnapped everybody, but the JLA freed everyone, and now the fight back begins. Uh, yes, and in case anyone was worried, um, yes, the Blackhawks are very relevant to this story. We're on Blackhawk Island. <laughs> that, yes, that's where the, the Appalachians had invaded Blackhawk Island and they were using it sort of as their staging ground and, and prison camp. Yeah, the Appalachians were this kind of spacefaring race of conquerors were like, um, we must set up base on the site of the world's greatest superpower. Only the Blackhawks will do. And, and that's where we are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so uh, it's it's fine for the hero. It's time, sorry, for the heroes to fight back. Uh, you know, uh, the heroes have all been uh, have been freed. Uh, they are all um, you know unified under the uh, under the Justice League, who have who have finally kind of got their act together and are trusting each other once more. Yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, so there we go, PJ. Right, let's. Let's dive into some world-saving action. Or we could dive into a crazy day at the Daily Planet. I mean, like, you know, if you live in Metropolis, this is just like every other day for you, isn't it? <laughs> you would think. Uh, but yeah, so, um, you know, someone's still got to get a newspaper out, uh, even as the world is 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 tumbling. Uh, so, yeah, um, it's, it's just a hive of activity, uh, you know... Lois is working on a story. Perry's kind of like shouting at everyone. Well, mostly he's going like, where's Kent? Where's Kent right now? <laughs> it's it's uh, one of those sort of classic panels where you see a lot of people in shot and a lot of speech bubbles that don't connect to a specific person of people sort of going, oh, and I've heard this and this superhero is here and, and this one's here. Yeah, and um, 
and you know if you're paying attention there's some nice little things i like that someone's going um uh someone says they saw johnny swift uh and then it goes um uh johnny quick in tampa no wait miami no wait fort lauderdale <laughs> yeah that's fun nice little joke there just you know blinking you miss it and uh yeah and um you know and uh, lois even in the you know on the brink of the apocalypse is uh calling people up um on uh, on their mistakes as in someone has referred to vigilante as greg sanders as opposed to greg saunders so not <laughs> yeah. good not good and then it turns out the same guy greg uh no sorry doug sorry doug greg is vigilante i've just done it never mind uh, also gets uh, one of the sea devil's names wrong <laughs> And PJ, how could anybody get the Sea Devils? I know. How could anyone get the Sea Devils wrong? I know. They're, you know, they're the most famous sea-based superheroes of all. Yes, because, you know, um, being a superhero isn't necessarily about having a power ring or inherent speed or strength. Sometimes it's about having access to commercially available um, dive gear. Yeah, scuba gear. That's what you need. Scuba gear. That's I can't sad. believe the sea, I can't believe the sea, sea devils are a thing. <laughs> yeah, we're going to see them in this issue. Oh, you know it, PJ. I'm very excited. <laughs> that is the high point of the whole series for me. Sea devils, year one. Um, <laughs> um yeah, and uh, so, um, so yeah, it's obviously just kind of like uh, things are bad. They're trying to put together a newspaper. The sea devils are on the front page, um, <laughs> where they should be. Uh, Jimmy Olsen says that you know. They're calling this World War Three, which is factually inaccurate, inaccurate uh, you know, Jimmy, because, uh, you know, that won't come for a couple of years yet in the and, Morrison and, series. And then it will also happen again a few years after that. And yeah. <laughs> World War, it's like, um, it's like when you bring out a new software release, PJ. It's like World, it's, uh, World War 3.0. Yeah, 3.1. 3. 3. 3. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but then... Something turns the wall into glass, PJ. Yeah, that and, and it starts spreading and everyone starts cracking and everyone has to stand back. But it's okay because Green Lantern's on the case. Hey, PJ, two Green Lanterns. Yeah, we actually see Alan Scott first and he's clearing civilians and he shouts for everyone to go and then Hal Jordan plus the human bomb and the blue beetle leap in and just smash some glass Appalachians to pieces. The human bomb is a weird one. I don't know much about the human bomb at all. No. Was he even technically a JSA-er? No, I think he was, he was um, one of the freedom fighters, Uncle Sam. And... Yeah, yeah, more of like a, definitely like a World War II kind of hero. Yeah, kind of but I think they, they're they one of the properties that, when they were originally published, were by a different company that then ended up being bought by DC later on and got folded in during crisis to mainstream DC continuity. Right, 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 right. It's funny how, like, I, I, I think I, Marvel's got its fair share of kind of legal copyright issues as well, but DC mm. really seems to have a, a kind of, like, messy situation going on, even now, it seems like. Yeah, well, Captain Marvel. <laughs> yes, well, you know. Uh, but we also get our titles, PJ, which is normally your forte. Yes, Justice for All, which is uh, Mark Wade, Brian Augustine, Barry Kitson, Storytellers, Michael Bear, Inker, Ken Lopez, Letterer, Pat Garrahy, Colorist, Heroic Age, Separations, and Peter Tomasi, Editor. <clears throat> yeah, and, uh, you know, um, Justice for All, again, I think, would uh, you know, just because a, a kind of phrase will pop up uh, as one of the collected traits, I want to say. Yes, of yeah, Justice right. for All is the 
second to last one. Good call, PJ. With the with um, you know, you got genies. You've got uh, that's it. Yeah, you got it all. No it's man's grand. land. Yeah, and the ultramarines. And the ultramarines. Uh, it's cracking. Oh, oh and oh, is, no. is that the one that also has the um, the Amazo story? Uh it yes, PJ. It is. Yeah, there we go. There good we knowledge. go. There we go. That's a good. That's a good. That's a good collection. That was a lot that's going a on. Very good there. collection. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, we cut from all that sick human bomb action that obviously everyone lines up for. Why we bought the trade. That's why we bought the trade. Two, um, two Green Lanterns uh, kind of having a little heart-to-heart, uh, -heart, basically, as they um, scoop up uh, a bunch of um, shattered glass Appalachians in a giant, like, kind of scoop. Basically. Yeah, yeah. Alan Scott says, oh, nice. And Hal says, are you less sore about me taking your name now? <laughs> And Alan Scott's like, well, we're getting there, but uh, we have to have a chat one day about how you became Green Lantern. But uh, where are we going next? Um, yeah, and, uh, you know, obviously Blue Beetle's also here. He's helping. Um, <laughs> With his new arms, or his old arms that they repaired. I'm still fuzzy on that. It, it, he, what's important, PJ, is that he's better. He's got arms. That's all that matters. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the world is, you know, even the old guard of heroes are clearly looking to the Justice League for leadership at the moment yes. and Hal a kind of more humble Hal after you know the last few issues um is is taking a leadership role without being a without being a complete jerk about it which is nice yeah so he calls through to Black Canary says uh, they've they've sorted Metropolis what's how is how's it going in Washington and we see Washington on fire and burning and then the smoke and the clouds clear and Black Canary and the Black Hawks <laughs> It's the Blackbird team are there with, with Starman, uh, just capturing all the energy versions of the Appalachians and holding an American flag. Yeah, and uh, I think this is like I, I, I don't wanna I don't know if this is if, if this is a particularly uh, a Wade thing or an Augusting thing or a, a kind of Kitson thing, but I, I it, it strikes me as Wade to go like, hey, what if we had like all the characters who draw their name or moniker from a black bird in yeah. some variety. Yeah. Just kind of turn up together. Plus, oh, and also Starman. Plus Starman is here too. but Because we also need to explain how they captured all yes. the aliens. Importantly, the Black Hawks are back in their classic uniforms, not the stupid costumes they tried on a few issues ago. Yes, they've, they've come to terms with who they are. <laughs> um, PJ, at, there have been arguably more Starmen than Green Lanterns, although it's close. Yeah. Um at this point with Scarman 1, is it is it a gravity rod? Uh, is it still called a gravity rod? Uh, I can't remember. Yeah. It's, it's definitely I mean, not... it might just be called the star rod. Yeah. I feel like yeah, I'm kind of fascinated by I I I quite enjoyed Scarman 1 million as, you know, as yeah. brief as he was around with the Corvat. But I'm quite fascinated by the star rod or the gravity rod, even though it's had so many different forms over the years. I don't know if there's any kind of consistency as to what it actually does or not. But I like I like ar ar artifactual stuff. Yes. Like, could it be a power ring in a fight? Question mark. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, they, must have, they must have done that. There must have been a Green Lantern versus Starman fight at some point. Write in if anyone knows. We'd 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 love to hear. Yeah. Or we or we could just Google it ourselves. And we could, but it. we're lazy. Oh no! I'll, hang on, I'll do it. I'll do no, it. No, okay. Well, in which case, PJ, I'll um I'll I'll fill in some of the action. So um, 
so yeah, so um, Black Canary uh, waves the black uh, the black hawks on to quietly exit the book as um, they go to um, help the wounded, and uh, she calls into Aquaman using her kind of like um, I don't even call it like her her throat radio, like she's got like a little radio in her bracer, and um, Aquaman underwater is fighting a bunch of mercury aliens. So aliens that are made of mercury, which are like polluting the water, as well you would expect. But thankfully, he's not alone, PJ. The sea devils are there. Woohoo! I can't find any reference on Google to them having fought Greenland and Starman. But yes, Aquaman is... and But thank God the sea devils are there, because how would Aquaman cope without them and their harpoon guns? Now, PJ, um, I, at one point in my life, um, could dive. I, I passed my paddy underwater certification which i think is probably no no longer active okay um i had the basic one which meant i could swim down to god like 18 18 feet or something like that before my brain would explode (laughs) um you could do a more advanced one which i think meant you could go down to 60 feet um how deep do you suppose we are right now because um you know, I'm just aware that, like, you know, Aquaman is Aquaman, but the Sea Devils might be at risk of, like, oh, I don't know, the bends or pressure or, I don't know, anyone accidentally slightly nudging their mask so they drown. Maybe they're at, like, 10 feet. Maybe they're at 10 feet. We're in the shallows. In the Aquaman, shallows. Aquaman very kindly led the uh, led the villains to, um, I don't know, like a, a reef or something. Yeah. He says he and the Sea Devils are outnumbered, though, by these Mercury men. And Black Canary's like, well, get a whale. And Aquaman's like, well, no, they'd be poisoned because of the Mercury Men. But hey, but hey, it's another Morrison alumni. It's, uh, it's Animal Man. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, well, he's making a whirlpool with Aquaman. He turns up swimming like a dolphin and he says, yeah, I'm, I'm a mimic. Do you think Wade put Animal Man in here just as a little treat for Morrison? Oh, yeah. Although, although, PJ, because this is in the past... Is this an animal man who is yet to have his kind of meta epiphany at the hands of Grant Morrison? I assume so. Sure. Do you think he's happier? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't have a slick jacket on. No. So in my head canon, I'm thinking this is pre pre for a uh, fourth wall busking animal man. That's just that's just my head cannon. Yeah. <laughs> um, but don't they also have? Uh, well, they they have some additional help in the form of the challengers of the unknown, I believe, who are presumably there in some kind of submarine or something, because you get Professor Haley sort of looking at the whirlpool that Aquaman and Animal Man are creating as he radios to Cave Carson <laughs> and asking if he reads his signal. Wasn't Cave Carson one of the characters that was resurrected for Gerard Way's uh, young animal imprint? I have no idea, I'm afraid. Yeah, because wasn't it like it was Doom Patrol, Mother Panic, Shade the Changing Girl, and like a series called Cave Carson Has a Cybernetic Eye? <laughs> Does that ring a bell? <laughs> Not in at any all. <laughs> I think that may have been real. Um Anyway, that's all I know about Cave Carson. He might have a cybernetic eye. Well, I know from this that Cave Carson has, like, a drill thing 
that he uses to drill into the seabed so that the whirlpool sucks the mercury men into it and then the sea devil set off some dynamite to seal the cave behind them this is like this entire two-page spread is like an homage to every pre-superpower hero it's 50s sci-fi adventure serial stuff isn't it yeah like um obviously challenges of the unknown would go on to inspire, say, the Fantastic Four. Yeah. But again, very much just like four rugged individuals who happen to go on adventures. The Sea Devils, I'm assuming four rugged individuals who happen to go on underwater adventures. And of course, the Blackhawks, who are rugged individuals who fly planes. So I choose to believe that after this incredible invasion, the Sea Devils just quietly retired. Going like, <laughs> it will never be better than this. <laughs> yeah, they've seen what Aquaman and Animal Man can do, and they're like... Oh, we're a bit rubbish. Maybe yeah. we should just quietly pack it in. The age of the hero has the age of the superhero has begun, PJ. Yes. I'm gonna hang up my oxygen tank. <laughs> yes. But uh Aquaman says, Right, these guys are down, let's get Manhunter down for a pickup. And Black Canary says, Oh, he's a bit busy fighting golden birds in the sky. And he's there with Hawkman, Hawk Girl, Shining Knight, and Black Condor. But here's something I wasn't aware of. Jean is shouting, Watch out for their eyes. They transform their prey into avian form with a glare. So these big golden birds can look at you and turn you into a bird. Yeah, now that has really just not come up in any capacity yet. Um, But I guess it would be fitting, I suppose, because... Doesn't this go back to the original Appalachian story? Like, I don't know about turning people into birds, but wasn't there something about how each of the Appalachian warriors was kind of creating, like, followers or, like, zombies? Yeah, Yeah, something like that. I mean, the tree one famously tried to turn the league into trees. Yeah, that's true. So this one would just turn them into birds. I guess so. Would that work on Hawkman and Hawkgirl? They're already kind of birds. Yeah. Um... (laughs) Also, in this particular panel, PJ, does Hawkman have like a full kind of head helmet? He does, which seems to be screaming. He seems to have like a little mouth uh, on his on his mask. Maybe he's been fun. hit by one of the bird beams. Oh god! Oh god! <laughs> My fan fiction is finally uh, fulfilled. <laughs> hey, PJ, not to keep talking about the Justice League cartoon, but did you know that even even in the Justice League cartoon, they weren't allowed to truly use Hawkman? Yeah, not, and I think they they did finally get were able to do so in Justice League Unlimited, but I think that was after the Jeff Johns Hawkman series had come out. So they bring in, don't they bring in like another Hawkman to yeah. lead the Thanagarian invasion, whose name is an anagram of Katar Hall or something? Oh, you see, PJ, PJ, I can never surprise you. You already know these things. <laughs> I would like honestly, like, just be despairing if I worked in DC editorial because I'd be like, hey, why don't we do a fun story about X? Well, no, actually, here's the bylaw, and here's this contract, and this subdivision. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, but Hawkgirl's got a cameo. Everyone's favourite Justice League animated character. Yeah, she she asks Black Condor and Shining Knight that they were captured too, and Black Condor says, everyone was. Somehow, the aliens discovered our secret identities and knew everything about us, and that nearly cost us our lives, and John looks a bit grumpy. I mean, like, Jean obviously looks grumpy, and potentially rightfully so, but maybe the aliens just worked out that the Shining Knight is the guy who owns a horse with wings. Yeah. and Yeah. Black Condor, I don't know much about, but he's not wearing a mask or anything to hide his identity here, so... All I know about Black Condor 
is, I think, gleaned from a DC encyclopedia, and I don't care enough to go and grab it, but I think there may have been something about how he was a baby lost in the in the jungle, and then he was raised by birds or something like that. <laughs> and that's how he learned to fly. That's how he learned to fly. Well, PJ, if you can, if you if you have a better way of of flying, I'd love to hear it. I'll get in a plane. I'll get in a plane. Oh, damn it! He's right. <laughs> He'll join the Blackhawks. Yeah. <laughs> Anyhow, the Appalachians are not happy about this, uh, including uh, the sinister head of the Appalachians, who. Um, has jumped. Well, we previously previously saw jumping bodies, jumping body from Simon Carter into the body of like a flaming Appalachian minion who he just kind of like consumed, basically. Yes, and now he's wearing a lovely golden collar, so that we know which one is him. <laughs> yeah, so we know that he's the final boss, basically. <laughs> yeah, but they, he's gathered with a whole bunch of other Appalachians at Stonehenge, and one of the birds says, "Oh, the people on this planet are showing remarkable spirit because they're 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 capturing us." And he's like, yeah, but we're supposed to fight each other and and to the death, and they beat us, and that's not good. I'm oh look, they've built these stones. I'm going to push it over. Well, yeah, he's just kind of needlessly wrecking Stonehenge for some reason. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then, I always I, I always love um, when Stonehenge is depicted in comics because it always looks like so much kind of like tighter and closer than it actually is in in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Or maybe it was, maybe this is what it actually looked like before the Appalachians kind of pushed it Oh, over. yeah, well, there is that. <laughs> and then one of the birds just picks up the leader and flies him away. Yeah, because for all their power, um, they still need a giant bird to fly sometimes. I'd so, like a giant bird to fly me around. Hey, 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 you had your chance with Black Condor. You went for a plane. Yeah, but now I think about it, a giant bird would be more fun. Black Condor doesn't have a giant bird. No, I think that's what I like to. Cho- I choose to believe that he quietly retired after this. As well. <laughs> Give me a giant golden bird. It's nearly Christmas. That's what I would like. Um. So, uh, thankfully, our kind of named Appalachian leader, um, Kalar, flies away with the aid of a, of a giant golden bird. Just as Vandal Savage, remember him? He's still in the story. Mm-hmm. Appears through a portal, and. Um, obliterates uh, a bunch of the Appalachians with his kind of um, special device, which he got from Simon Carter, which it's... basically just obliterates the minds of Appalachians. Yeah, it's their own mind wipe device, which he's reprogrammed and turned against them. Then he gets in a little comment about, shouldn't have insulted Stonehenge. No one ever appreciated my design. He was really, he's just a failed interior designer, really. I think a lot of his aggression is because people didn't give him, they didn't really appreciate his art. Yeah. Yeah, and he says, great, now I've got the power to vanquish all my foes, the Appalachians and the Justice League. And um, from there, we cut to St. Louis. St. Louis? St. Louis? St. Louis. St. Louis. Um, Wait, no, St. Louis, Missouri, St. Louis. I've got a friend who's from there, and I cannot remember how she says it now. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll just hold up the kind of ignorant ignorant brit card to say that yeah we just, we just don't know um but hey um completely uh confirming my 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 again my head head canon belief that for flash is technically faster than superman even though superman is very fast uh barry's going like oh man there's all these diamonds diamond monsters attacking people and they're they're radiating people with their eyes presumably turning them into diamond and he's like where's superman i thought you were meant to be faster than a speeding bullet 
And then Superman just bursts out of the ground, lifting up the chunk that the Diamond Men are stood on and flies them off to Blackhawk Island. It's a very cool Superman panel. Just all business. Oh, all big business, yeah. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, just a, a blur of the artwork because he's going very quickly. Or maybe his cape is slightly ragged to show that, like, he's been doing a lot of this. I think, his, I think his cape's slightly ragged. I think it was slightly ragged in the last issue when they were held captive. And... Uh, they're not alone because they've got another powerhouse with them. They've got uh, the Atom. Not the mighty Atom, but the actual Atom. Yeah. Uh, who um, figures that he can destroy the Diamond Appalachians by shrinking down to the subatomic level, uh, basically vibrating inside their stress points, because every diamond has a flaw, and causing them to shatter, which he does with great effect, <laughs> causing an Appalachian to explode Right by a uh, innocent bystander, hopefully not covering him with diamond bullets. Yeah, but Atom isn't okay. He sort of falls down, but luckily, Doll Man is here to catch him. Phew. <laughs> yeah, it's all uh, it's all relative. Um, Atom, a very small man, uh, is caught by Doll Man, a small man, who is looked down on by Flash, a regular man. <laughs> so yeah, everybody's here, PJ. Yeah, and Doll Man. Says, oh, Atom's our first casualty, but I, I fear he won't be the last. And then we cut to Paris, where Molly Maine is reporting, and apparently Dr. Mist and his global guardians have suffered injuries against a massive horde of Appalachians. I have no idea who these characters are. Again, everything I know about the global guardians came from uh, the DC Encyclopedia. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an interesting pool. For, from from Wade because I don't think they were they may have, I don't think they were that old a creation they may have been like an early eighties team oh, okay. perhaps I think I think it was one of those things where they were like we're going to create a new team of superheroes we're going to have a global remit and it's going to be very international like a very kind of like there'll be representatives from like a bunch of different countries um I think the only recognizable face PJ you might know is Jack O'Lantern. Oh, yes. Who, oddly enough, we might be seeing some more of soon. Ooh, how mysterious. Ooh. ooh. Um, but apart from that, no, I, I don't know anything. Yeah, but um, Doctor, presumably Mist, is is trying to cast a spell, but he points out that magic has its limits and all of Earth's sorcerers are currently drawing from the same mystic realms at the same time. So it's a bit thin on the ground and they need a being of even greater power. And, and PJ... In, in the DC pantheon, who is the most powerful being? I mean, I guess that's debatable, but it's probably the Spectre. He's up there. Probably, yeah, it is the Spectre. Because we now cut to the Spectre, who's made a truce with Wotan, who's presumably one of his enemies, but is also another name for Odin, I think? Y yes, yes, that's true, that's true. Um, I, If I was a villain, PJ, looking to make a name for myself, I might try and... I don't know, find myself a uh, a nice hero to be an arch enemy of. Um, I probably wouldn't pick the Spectre. No, I'd go for Dollman. I'd go for Dollman, to be honest. <laughs> or, heck, Black Condor. I reckon that I, PJ, a 37-year-old man with the resources and, and, and modest income of, of, of such, I think I could be a decent villain to Black Condor. <laughs> like, I've got a, uh, a second-hand grey 
Toyota Yaris. I think that would be a fantastic villain vehicle. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I don't know much about Wotan, but I hope he's powerful because, good grief. What's, you your, wanna... what's your super villain name, John? Uh, I'd be a uh, middle-aged man. <laughs> I like it. Middle-aged man. I have the power of um, not aching occasionally. <laughs> yeah. No, John is no Wotan, though, because he has had to team up with the Spectre against the big wood Appalachians. And the Spectre's like, you've got to ally with me rather than allow these guys to overrun you. And Wotan's like, yes, but I will also betray you and seal you forever in a spell of entombment. And then... I, I I don't know, like hands come out and grab Wotan and the Spectre shoves him into it as he goes into his own spell and Spectre's like, well, you betrayed me, now you're going to suffer. Yeah, I just like... Yeah, dude, come on. It's, you know. it's such a weird scene to put in the middle of this book, but I love it. Yeah, I mean, like, it, it really is like Smash Brothers, isn't it? Like, everybody's here. Like, <laughs> they're, re- they're really just... It's like a... Yeah, God, it, it, the DC universe was busy, even like at this point, you know, post uh, post crisis. Like um, there are a lot of heroes running about. Yep. And speaking of running about, oh, that was intentional. That was totally well done. intentional. Well done, John. Yeah, we got to Central City where the Flash has run to his hometown, and there's some of the rock monsters, and they're everywhere. But Black Canary's here too, and she shatters one. And Barry's like, "Look, uh, we should probably talk about earlier when when you kissed me." And Black Canary says, look, I, I need to know. And then we see Iris walking through the rubble, shouting, trying to find Barry. And Flash just quickly, quick change, goes to her and says, you know, I, I know what you said, but I, I love you and I want to be with you and you're the most important part of my life. Yeah. All while Black Canary is watching. Yeah, I mean, Barry, I'm kind of glad you... Yeah, kind of glad this got nipped in the bud. Yes. Like, you know, before anyone was hurt, basically. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So anyway, they they decide that, you know, it's a little awkward. But um, like, yeah, come on. Let's just let's just quit while we're ahead, basically. And um, Barry runs away to go do his stuff, leaving Canary to just kind of like I guess, kind of bemoan her personal circumstances as a giant wooden hand reaches up behind her. Yeah, I mean, she says she doesn't want to turn into her mum and doesn't want to make Barry into a two-timer. And yeah, he runs off to Baltimore and she gets attacked by an Appalachian while she's distracted. But then two arrows hit it and sort of buzzed it and... (laughs) It, it take it down. I think they electrify it and green arrow and speed. I think they're um, I think they're um, kind of like termite arrows. <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. It would work. And, and Speedy, of course, no tact. She says, "You're Black Canary." Jeez, GA, you're right. She's hot. And both Green Arrow and Black Canary are like, "Hey!" And then they look at each other, and you get a lovely shot then of the three of them going into battle. I do love the idea that well, a like you know. Green Arrow's got a slightly goofy costume, but I do like how comfortable it looks. Yes. Particularly at this point where he's literally just wearing a big T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I can I, I can get with that. I also like how Speedy continues to be the most irrelevant character. And I, I almost... I almost want, I'm surprised they didn't just throw in a little panel where he was like, geez, Green Arrow, you're ignoring me again? I think I'm going to go try drugs. <laughs> no, no. He's several years off that. Oh, give it time. Give it time. Uh, <laughs> you, you got to sow the seeds, PJ. <laughs> uh, 
but then we we cut to Green Lantern, Hal Jordan, leading a, a troop of fighter planes. Going, those are cool planes. And the, one of the pilots says, "Cool, well, um, you can fly one if you want, but let's take out these these big lizard man Appalachians that we haven't really seen before." But are are they are these planes meant to be the Blackhawks? I don't know. Yeah, they look a bit. They look a bit like the Blackhawk planes, but. I don't know. There's no insignia on them. I feel like this is because we sort of start to get now scenes of civilians getting involved and helping out and being inspired by the heroes. So my guess is these are just normal military, not Black Hawk fighter planes. Oh, uh, okay, okay. Hey, and and does this technically count as a new type of Appalachian PJ, like these big kind of fishmen? Yeah, I think so. We haven't seen them before, have we? Uh, no, but but um, they they have kind of laser eyes, which. I don't know. This could be a coincidence. Maybe they're very powerful, but they are also yellow. Uh, I don't know if that's relevant, but Green Lantern gets absolutely blasted out of the sky. Yep. But he's grown, PJ. He's grown as a person and as a hero, so he's no longer afraid to ask for help. <laughs> yeah. So he calls to Aquaman, and Aquaman is like, wait, you're joking? Lantern's <laughs> like, no, no, I need help. I'm growing, okay? And Aquaman says, yeah, I'm not about to miss the sight of you being humble. <laughs> And uh, he, uh, Aquaman turns up and punches a big fish monster. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he's he's trying, and again, we see some civilians. He's trying to help some civilians, but civilians are like, no, 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 it's cool. We we got this. We can we can, we can can help ourselves. Yeah, and, we're going to uh, save these people from this bus. You go punch more big fish men. And I don't know, maybe, maybe Aquaman gets to see a better side of humanity for once, who aren't kind of, you know, being nasty to him or fish. So that's maybe that's something, PJ? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but then we, we cut to Peking, uh, or China, sorry, because Peking's fine, but then the Great Wall is lost. Metamorpho and the Doom Patrol are fighting there with, with Jean, and Metamorpho says, ah, oh, we've got this, we never fail. And then an Appalachian just bursts through the Great Wall saying, never? I've never been to the Great Wall. Me PJ. neither. But, like, is it is it a particularly... Is it, like, a centre of population? Uh... There's a lot of tourists. Well, I don't know. It's like, are the Appalachians attacking because they're like, there's a lot of people on the Great Wall? Or are they attacking because they're like, I, d- I don't like this cultural artifact. I want to destroy it. I mean, they've already taken out Stonehenge, so. That's true. Actually, you're right, PJ. Maybe they don't like, they don't like historical sites of like, <laughs> you know, great significance. Yeah. Um, But hey, PJ, it was looking optimistic for a moment, but now it, it's looking like it might not be enough. And, um, we cut to Snapper Carr, uh, who's watching everything in uh, the proto JLA monitor womb. Specifically, exactly. he's looking at previous panels from this book, which I quite like as a way of doing it. Yeah, he's um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, a very early Photoshop job, I guess. And uh, yeah, he's. Uh, I, I also just like how the technology has moved on because now it just seems at this point it just seems like a bunch of um, of like I don't know old. Um, cathode raid tvs yeah. just kind of stacked on top of each other um and he's like oh man like i'll got you know our guys are brave but like you know they're still outnumbered 100 to one how much can they how much can they possibly do uh but he's not alone and um uh, his uncle uh simon carr kind of um waddles up basically yeah and snapper's like stay back space freak and simon's like no it's it's me the alien's gone and snapper's like oh okay i'll just believe you but he's also like, um, I had help from a very nice man called Vandal Savage. <laughs> and Scapper's like, what? 
And yeah, Simon says he's got a device that he said would eliminate his enemies. And Snap is like, oh, God. And radios to Jean saying, hey, Vandal Savage is around as well. Uh, yeah. And uh, so, you know, we cut then to Blackhawk Island, you know, the, the heart of the action, where we find out what they've been doing. Our heroes have been doing with all the captured Appalachians. Uh, they're putting them in a big bubble, uh, which is being conjured by uh, Dr. Fate. Yeah magic bubble prison and the jsa are there including golden age black canary uh our black canary's mother and she's like i don't know how long he can keep this going and then dr midnight is like hey are you worried about your daughter and she says no she's better than me but never tell her i said that <laughs> and dr yeah. midnight just goes oh she knows <laughs> that is a dig <laughs> yeah and um uh i am glad they uh made it clear through the dialogue that this is not our Black Canary, yes. because, uh, yeah, they, they do look very similar. They do. <laughs> um, but hey, so, you know, uh, and Dr. Midnight, who has lost his kind of funky goggles, is like, um, is actually blind, but he goes, oh, did the wind shift? Do we have, like, new arrivals? Uh, and, um, yeah, they're like, uh, you know, he just talks about how, like, you know, they're, they're talking about how thinly, thinly spread we are. We get, like, a, a little kind of montage um, There's a very cool we... panel at the start of this, which is Vigilante in the foreground just shooting his guns. And then in the background, Batman is just kicking a giant wooden Appalachian in the face, and it looks like it has been hurt. <laughs> and I think we also have Wildcat. Punching another one, yeah. And, oh gosh, the the dude who I can't remember. Yeah, that dude. That... Wing? No. Um... Wing. No, Wing was the sidekick to this dude. Yeah. I a crimson cowl? That might be it. Crimson hood? No, crimson <laughs> cowl was an Avengers villain. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. Uh, they're relevant. Um, and then we 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 cut to um, now. Is it Johnny Quick helping yes. up uh, Liberty Bell? Yes, who I believe it is Jesse Quick's mother. Oh, oh, interesting. Okay, well there we go. Good, I think, good knowledge, PJ. I think. Yeah, <clears throat> wouldn't be surprised. I mean, you know, it's, it's all a family affair. <clears throat> Uh, and uh, but the you know, the Justice League, it's actually the Justice League arriving at Blackhawk uh, Island with Snapper, yes, because Snapper called him basically. And um, he was basically like, clearly, hasn't told him in transit, he's told him while they're all here, basically. Well, uh, he says he didn't think it should get out because it could be demoralizing to the troops, basically, that Vandal Savage is around and has a weapon that he's not only going to use against the Appalachians but use against the Justice League, too. And conveniently, PJ, guess who steps out of the portal? Oh, it's Vandal it's, Savage. Oh, it's Vandal Savage. And he has his big gun. Everything looks bleak. And oh, no, no, wait. He's been instantly disarmed by the Flash and chained up by Green Lantern. <laughs> I love that. Just how quickly they're just like, I mean, he's immortal, but he is also just a dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think uh, now, PJ, I can't believe the real Vandal Savage would allow himself to get trapped like this. Oh, uh, no. It's not oh, Vandal Savage. It's Clayface. Remember him being from like puppeted by Vandal Savage from afar? Yeah, was it him from like issue two? Yeah, yeah, oh, he was part of the group of villains Savage sent against the league. Yeah, so um, yeah, kind of blinking, you miss it, and he's actually controlling Clayface's body, as PJ said, and um, uh, yeah, so basically he he did it all to give for Justice League a gift, which is basically the weapon. He's giving them the the mind wipe weapon and um it's basically he's adjusted it so all you have to do is press a button 
and kill every Appalachian at once. Yeah, just flat out murder them. And Aquaman says, kill us two in the process. And Black Canary says, yeah, he's definitely going to do that. And as Jean starts to look at the device and say, I don't think so, there's a giant explosion as one of the Appalachians pounds on the barrier and Dr. Fate starts to go down. So Flash orders that the barricades need to be shored up. Yeah, and um, thankfully, uh, guess who steps in? But the uh, the, uh, the Justice League Dark or uh, the the League of Men in in comfortable trousers. It's the uh, Z- oh wait no Z- Zatara is yes, it Zatara, Zatara it... Sargon and Occult? Is he Doctor Occult? Mister Occult? It might, it might be Doctor Occult. It's like Mister or Doctor Johnny something. Occult. Johnny Occult. It's Johnny. It's Johnny Magic. Yeah, uh, he's back. Yeah, the Spectre has has appeared and teleports them in and says, "You help too." And, and Green Lantern's also trying to help shore it up. Um, and also in the background, key uh, Jean and Snapper are still tinkering with Savage's device. Yeah, I, I I choose to believe that whoever is the human host of the Spectre currently, I I choose to believe they have a bit more human agency uh, and a bit less specterness which is perhaps why the specter hasn't just instantly clicked his fingers and removed every Appalachian from existence which i think yeah. would normally be within his power yeah and while they're shoring it up flash runs over to john and says right what were you saying and john says look it's not a trick this device will do what savage says and no more it won't kill us but it is genocide for the Appalachians. can we use it and vandal savage says how can you not you can't contain them for much longer and you get a panel of Green Lantern and the Mystics pouring energy into the globe while Spectre just sort of cuddles it. My favourite, uh, they're one of my favourite cover bands actually, Green Lantern and the Mystics. <laughs> hey, and PJ, thematically, band, yeah. they're saying, you know, he's going like, how much longer can you hold your own? And we get a panel of Our Man. Golden Age Our Man, punching out longer. an Appalachian. You see, it's a, ty- it's a time thing, PJ. Yeah. Length of how long can you... Yeah. So, yeah, so our heroes are being faced with um, a real kind of dilemma here. Like, you know, do we press this one simple button and kill every Appalachian, you know, saving the world but committing genocide? Or um, do we not? And they will basically burst out of their shield and destroy us all. And, in fact, they've they've, they've done it, PJ. They've just... They've just burst out of their they just burst out of a shield. It's yeah. not good. So our savage watches from afar but talks through Clayface as you need to take desperate measures, you need to march over otherwise they're gonna march over your broken bodies, pull the switch, and the Appalachians attack the heroes. Spectre gets blasted in the chest by a giant golden bird. <laughs> Does that mean he's gonna turn into a giant a giant a giant gold bird wearing like green gloves and, oh. and, and panks? I hope so. We can only hope. Yeah. Um yeah, and um, so the, the League are having their kind of moral dilemma here. What do we do? Uh, Aquaman says, well, look, it's, you know, as you said, it's, it's a war. This is permissible. Black Canary's like, no, 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 no. This is, this is Savage's master plan. It's, it's not to kill us. It's to make us abandon our morals. Yep. Uh, um, even Barry is like, you know, Maybe, maybe we have to. Like, I'm not happy about this. And while they're debating, Jean is uh, tinkering with the yeah. machine. And Hal says, "Look, we can't let Savage call our plagues. If he does it once, he'll find a way to do it again." And then Jean just sets the device off, and the Appalachians all start screaming in pain. As does Jean. 
Yeah, and uh, everyone's like, oh my god, like, I can't believe he's done it. Like, of all, John, of all people, who was perhaps rightfully angry at us for killing aliens. Um, but Snapper, the people's hero, steps in and goes, no, 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 you've got it wrong. He rewired the machine while you were arguing. So um, he's basically using his own telepathy to ensure that the blast is painful but not lethal and uh the only problem is it's probably going to blow up jong's head in the process because it's a tremendous amount of effort yeah so hal quickly orders the specter to gather get the other heroes to gather all the remaining aliens while black canary tells dr fate to scan the location of apple x from their minds and open a dimensional tunnel and then aquaman says you know flash is like oh god john can't do it and Aquaman says, no, he can't. Uh, I can hear his mind breaking with my limited telepathy, but we'll work as a team. And as fate opens a portal, Aquaman tells Jean to open his mind to him and he'll help him shoulder the burden. And then Hal, Hal steps in and joins joins the group as well. And then the whole league are giving Jean support as the aliens are forced through a portal. Is there is there a, a name for the trope where one member of a team is having to do something that is too much for one person to take, and then everyone comes up and puts their hand on their shoulder. Because I think this is exactly how yeah. the first storyline in the Busick Perez Avengers run concludes, with like Wanda trying to like banish Morgan Morgana Le Fay. Yeah. And all the Avengers <laughs> just do do this great little love in where they just put their hands on hangs on each other's shoulders. Yeah, it's happened a few times, hasn't it? <laughs> Maybe this is like you cover this in like week one of training. Yeah. You know, it's just like, so guys, when when this happens, just remember, we can all do it. Power of friendship. Basically. Power of friendship, as long as one of you has some kind of telepathic ability. And um, so, of course, we, we have to show that this is happening worldwide. So we cut to, uh, you know, we, uh, another city somewhere. And uh, all, all the Appalachians are kind of like clutching their head and screaming. Uh, Kalar, the super Appalachian, who's got like his special necklace to prove that he's special, I, I, uh, seems to be coping a little better, even though he's clutching his head and screaming. Yeah. Uh, but Superman, great, uh, puts <laughs> puts everyone in a big bucket. He's just scooped them up into an empty water tower, hasn't he? <laughs> it's, it's... Yeah, but, uh, basically, yes. Um, Starman grabs a few. Apple. Kalar's like, no, we'd won. And then the League are still struggling, but they're almost there. And Golden Age Green Lantern throws Kalar into the port, down to the ground. Snapper whacks him with a stick and knocks him unconscious. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I do like that even after he knocks him unconscious, like the stick he hit him with is on fire because he is... <laughs> But I'm also like, he is technically a fire Appalachian right now. Does yeah. he even have a skull? Well, I mean, it works. And Snapper's like, that's for my uncle. And then the last of the aliens are pushed through the portal by the assembled Earth heroes. Yeah. And, um, yeah, it's double-page spread time, basically, PJ. Um, I do hope the spacefaring nation uh, don't return in their spaceships to do this all over again. But, you know... Yeah, it's working for the time being. And Kalar is the last one left. He's saying, "We'd won, mm. we'd won." And Aquaman says, "No, you've lost, and we've had enough." Uh, and John says, "Kind of envy you because you get to go home." And um, Vandal Savage through Clayface shouts, "No, kill them! You need vengeance." But they, as Flash says, "We're not about vengeance. 
we're about justice. Hey. Because they're the Smash Justice gun. League of America, not the Vengeance League of America. And then they all leap into the air, high five, freeze frame, credits roll. <laughs> yeah, and then there's just heroes standing around and going, oh, we got to help the Blackhawks rebuild. Presumably Batman is the one saying, I'll take Clayface back to Gotham. Uh, 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 yeah, I, uh, yeah, like in a in a in a in a bucket, like you know, <laughs> kind of like on the back seat of the uh, of the bat plane, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> and Jean, you know, Flash says, you know, you've you've never failed to surprise us. That was a huge risk. And Jean says, well, I couldn't do any less. This was kind of my fault. So, you know, the debt I owe you all. And Canary says, paid in full. Just let it go. Yeah, and uh, and then uh, Hawkman walks up. Uh, I can't forget that Hawkman was in the Justice Society. Yeah. Uh, he walks up and basically says, well, you, you, youngsters, you know, we approve. Um, <laughs> very happy to pass the baton to you. Anytime you need us, you know, just, you know, give us a call. But uh, that offer is extended by uh, the big blue cheese himself, Superman. Uh, just basically shakes Hal's hand, buries the hatchet and goes like, yeah, you know, anytime you need me, I can think of no greater honour than serving under the command of the Justice League of America. But then he says, I've just got one more job to do before we do the cleanup. And then we get another double page spread of a story by Clark Kent in the Daily Planet about the Justice League liberating the Earth, which also shows more battles with Amazo, Despero, and Kanjaro. All the villains ending with O. <laughs> yeah, and uh, and we've previously seen Scarro as well. Yeah. So there we go. Yeah. Oh. All the O's. Oh, I love Kanjaro. He's so stupid. <laughs> but I love him. He's this stupid space pirate man with bug eyes. And didn't he have a gamma gong? Something like that, yeah. He had a, bit, he had a big gong he could bang. Um, <laughs> yeah. The, the only Kanjaro story I've ever read was during the Joe Kelly, Doug Mank run yes. on Justice League. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and he just turns up as a bit of a schemer who's manipulating a couple of alien races. <laughs> yeah, into that's a, war. a good one, actually. Yeah, it's a good. It's a fun story. Yeah, and then it's, the... it's nice. It's nice to have a villain occasionally who doesn't actually have any powers. It's just a bit of a, just a bit of a pain. <laughs> yeah, and then a shot of the JLA getting medals as well. So that's nice. Yeah. Well, you know, good. Good for them. It's nice to have a medal. And then we we cut to the uh, their trophy room in the cave where Aquaman is taking down. The framed picture of the Appalachian alien defeated in JLA's inaugural case and throwing it in the bin because they're like, we don't need this one anymore. <laughs> We've done much better things now. Yes, and uh, and maybe also they realised it was you know a little culturally insensitive to have a dead alien in a box. Yeah, that's uh, gone too. Yeah, um, and also this is absolutely no no slight on on the art team, but I noticed on these two pages the art gets a little a little looser. Which I can only assume is because Barry Kitson's fingers have just kind of disintegrated at this point. Given the issue came out the next month and it's extra sized, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, yeah. So Barry, no slight, it's still great. Yeah, you you relax now. You're you're coasting to the end. Yeah, but there's a lovely moment here as well between Black Canary and Flash, where she's saying, you know, of course it never would have worked with us because we're complete opposites. Your secret identity is the real you, whereas my secret identity is not. Black Canary is the real me. And I just like that little moment. I think it's 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 a nice little acknowledgement between them and also them showing that they can still be friends. Yeah. Yeah, quite. It's nice. It's nice that, you know, everything's ending on a kind of high. And uh, 
yeah and um yeah so you know obviously they you know but the gang's all here you know they're they're talking about some of their recent successes which of course we saw in that montage yeah the o villains despero kanjaro <laughs> yeah and uh, you know their, their o phase and um yeah they're basically saying like you know uh maybe maybe we should go on a recruitment drive how about that green arrow fellow yeah hal suggests green arrow and canary and flash both look surprised and flash like buzzsaw arrow guy and hal says we've teamed up you get past the ego he's actually pretty effective so they put it to a vote and they all write whether they want Green Arrow on the team or not and put it in a bucket. And then Flash says, do you know what? I thought that maybe Simon Carr was funding us with Appalachian money, but we're still getting money from our mystery <laughs> benefactors. So we should probably find out who that is at some point as they vote. Yeah, just like money just randomly turns up every month. They don't <laughs> ask questions. They just go to like uh, an unmarked mailbox, perhaps, and yeah. just get like a wad of cash. And then uh, Simon Carr walks into yes. an office and says, oh, it's the JLA, sir. They're getting nosy again. And he's talking to their mystery benefactor. As Simon says, have you considered telling them you're backing them? And their mystery backer, Oliver Queen, says, well, I have, but I'm also enjoying this too much. <laughs> yeah, and... Um, yeah, and uh, and so this, this, this Oliver Queen fellow, who I'm not familiar with, PJ, just looks like <laughs> a, a blonde man in a suit, just... Uh, you know, kind of let Simon let himself out and just goes, relax, Simon. They'll know in time. I have a strong suspicion our paths will eventually converge one way or another. And he opens his secret arrow cupboard and we see the green arrow costume hanging up inside. Oh, it was green arrow financially backing them all along. Now, PJ, you're like, you're more of like a, a green arrow aficionado yeah. over the years. Do do do. How, how how does that sit with you? I think I, I quite like it. I love it. I think it's brilliant, and especially yeah. knowing that Green Arrow was the next member to join the league. I, I, oh, I was gonna I was gonna ask a stupid question. I was gonna say, is that factually accurate? Of course it is. I this mean, this is a Mark Mark Wade book. At this point, in the, it is yeah. Because remember, in the in Mark Wade's Julius September story, he talks about the Atom being the seventh member to join. Green Arrow was the sixth. Oh. So where does Superman and Batman fall in that? I believe they're eight and nine. Oh, okay. Okay. And then they just kind of get bumped up a running order. They get kind of like, um, I don't really even call it, like honorary founder status or something after a while. I don't I don't think they are actually granted founder status. I don't think it's like Captain America in the Avengers. I think it's just because of who they are that, you know, people listen to them. <laughs> yeah, I never really know where, like... I, I, obviously, the continuity has changed phenomenally over the years, but like um, in Rock of Ages, it's Jean, Aquaman, and Superman who apparently have the authority to uh, what do you even call it? Shut down the league? Well, yeah, Disband I mean, Superman is the chairman through Morrison's oh, sure. run, isn't he? So Superman is is the leader of the Justice League, but. I think it's because John and Aquaman have founder status. They have that that level of of sway. Yeah, it's like a weird, it's a weird quirk that, particularly because like uh, during the uh, Morrison run, Aquaman is 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 for, at least to begin with incredibly grumpy and not really much of a team person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but then just starts in. Even he says, actually, I'm starting to enjoy it, doesn't he? In the Heaven on Earth story, when yes. he, and, he and Wonder Woman are summoned to San Francisco. 
you do kind of forget that um yeah i don't i don't know what that even means for aquaman like you know he's like he's like a founder but doesn't like the club but also can't seem to like let go of it at the same time yeah i think i don't know it's it's interesting isn't it to try and compare aquaman in jla year one to the aquaman we then find in new world order and then again to the aquaman you have during world war three who's who's a slightly different aquaman at that point as well because i don't think he really had a solo book at that point so any development was all being done in jla yeah yeah no quite like very different people like i i i you know I, you know me i'm forever going to hold a torch for um aquaman of world war three because yes. that was my first real introduction to him so i quite like a, a surly bearded aquaman yeah but hey we've mentioned it before i i can totally see how this aquaman became that aquaman yes. in time yeah <laughs> yeah but we, hey we finished year one we did it pj my god yes where, where, where are the fireworks we should sing like old lang sign or something <laughs> happy new year yeah happy new year <laughs> wow that, i really enjoyed revisiting that i really did i did too it's a lot of fun yeah it's a lot of fun yeah it's a really good book it's nice to spend time with the classic versions of of barry and hal um obviously hal before he got all dark and parallaxy and, <laughs> <laughs> and barry at his, at his heyday and yeah, just just nice to see a modern take on those characters from Mark Wade and Brian Augustin. I think. Oh, quite. Yeah, I mean, um, again, it, it's it's been it's been great to kind of dive into something which for me was completely new. Mm. Never, never having had, never having seen this, this story before. Um, yeah, like uh, I, I've said it before. You know, it's not really my Flash. It's not really my my Green Lantern. But again, it, it's. Hey, you know what, PJ? It's like Hawk Girl in the Justice League cartoon. <laughs> yeah. You know, you start out going like, this isn't my league. I don't recognize these characters. And then you just spend so much time with them, getting to know them. You can't help but like them. Yeah. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I, I now have an appreciation for Black Canary that I certainly did not have going in. Well, she she really does become more of a Justice Society person, I think, doesn't she? Or she doesn't, she's on the league a little bit, in, but not. A lot. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's kind of what... This is what I mean sometimes about how it, it's curious, like, what the official status of some of these characters are. Because I, I know, like, during Final Crisis, which I know is not, like, you know, peak Justice League adventuring, but, like, um, Morrison has, like, um, Black Canary effectively take command of the League. Yes. And, um, of course, everybody you know just you know kind of goes oh yes of course like black canary's in charge and, and because i'm i my introduction was always like the magnificent seven that's always going to be like a little weird for me but like she clearly has like a long history with the team i've just never really until this comic read a book where she's been on it and i much prefer her late 90s that era costume to the one in this book actually where you know, it's it's very much the costume she was wearing at the time, but it's 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 fishnets and an impractical sort of <laughs> busty thing. And whereas she's actually got a proper black onesie costume in the future, which I do think works better. Yeah, quite. Because of course, um, oh, when did um, I've never read any Birds of Prey content, but when did Birds of Prey be get like this kind of big? Maybe it was when it was founded, or maybe it got a second wind. But when it was like Oracle, Huntress, and Black Canary. Yeah, I think I think it's really the Gail Simone when she started writing the book that it became 
a bigger deal. Mm. Um, and I think it was, and I haven't read much of it, so I might get this completely wrong as well, but I think it was Simone who introduced Huntress into the book. I think it started just Oracle and Black Canary. Mm. Yeah, interesting. Like, cause, cause, yeah, because when I think of, until this book, when I really thought about Black Canary, I'd be like, okay, so Birds of Prey, and you also mentioned Justice Society, because I think, um, was it, oh gosh, was it like kind of like the early 2000s when Jeff Johns started doing the big, uh, the big Justice Society revitalization where it was quite a large cast? Wasn't that the one that came off the back of Crisis Times 5? Yes, it would be. And in fact, this could be something to revisit down the line, but there's a big JLA Justice Society crossover, isn't there? I think there is, yeah. Where they fight, which is illustrated by Carlos Pacheco. There we go. We'll have to we'll have to do that at some point because they fight Despero and Johnny Sorrow, who is a character I have never read a book featuring Johnny Sorrow, but good God, he is a cool looking character. That's cheating. His name ends with a W, but still sounds like it rhymes with Despero. You've got to say it really quickly. <laughs> You've got to say it really quickly. So yeah, that would be a fun one to revisit. Actually. Yeah. Yeah. Or visit for the first time because I've never read it. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm picturing again from the DC Encyclopedia a lineup of the Justice Society from around that time, and I'm seeing potentially Black Canary, Hawkman, and Hawkgirl, Captain Marvel, but but not that Captain Marvel. Then Golden you know, Age, like, Flash, I, and Green Lantern. I think Our Man yeah. was in the book, wasn't he? The, the new Our Man. Uh oh, gosh, that's a good question. Definitely, I, I think Our Man 2 had a bit of a run at that time. Uh, son of the original uh, Our Man. No, I, I'm sure that's where the Morrison Our Man ended up. That would make sense. I mean, if you were doing like a revitalized version of the Justice Society, mm. you know. Because, yeah, it, they definitely solidified around that time because the Morrison run was kind of astronomical. Uh, Justice, the Justice League cartoon was out there. So, like... It kind of makes sense for the Justice League to deal with these, like, this smaller, tighter, bigger cast of iconic, truly iconic characters. And then the Justice Society was a bit kind of bigger and sprawling and kind of picked up everyone else. I think it was Justice Society was sort of a mixture of newer heroes, because Stargirl was in there as well, wasn't she? And it was like younger, newer heroes being trained by the original generation or something was was like the take on it, wasn't it? But yeah, yeah. I, haven't, I haven't read enough of it, to be fair. Because they... Yeah, because I am kind of fascinated in a weird way by like these legacy Justice, sorry, these legacy DC characters that aren't quite mainstream Justice League. Yeah. Like, I'm fascinated by the ones that, I don't want to say didn't make the cut, but are like, you know what I mean? Kind of like also there, like a Starman, a Starman legacy. Yeah. There have been so many Starmans. I mean, of course, you've got Star, what was it originally? It was like the Star Spangled Kid and. Stri Stars and Stripes were two heroes. Yeah. Then it became Star Spangled Girl and Stripes, which was a robot. And a man in and, a suit of armor. Sorry, sorry, PG, you're right. A man in a suit of armor. And then they dropped Stripes. And then Star Spangled Girl was given the Star Rod by yeah. one of the Star Men and then just became Star Girl. Yeah, and joined the JSA, I think. Yes, you see, clear, and people say that comics are confusing. That just makes perfect sense. <laughs> you also had like, was it like Sandy, who used to be like, oh, Sandman, original Sandman's sidekick. Yeah, but then he gained actual superpowers to turn into sand. Yes, yeah. So that's another legacy. There we go. You can dig up. 
the <laughs> hour man legacy. Oh, PJ, it's all there. Mm. Um, but yeah. Uh, oh, and of course, the mighty Atom legacy got rolled into Atom Smasher and Nuclon. Yes. So yeah, legacies, legacies, PJ. Well, DC has legacy more than Marvel does. It's I think one of the biggest differences between the universe, or it used to be anyway. See, these days they've just brought back all the old versions of the characters, so it's not about legacy anymore, and that is a shame. Mm. Oh, indeed, indeed, yeah, because you kind of you end up having to. Well, God, sorry, I'm a crack record here. We've talked about this before, but they end up trying to have it both ways. Yeah. Where we go back to the OG Green Lantern, but then we're still introducing new ones. So there's like ten Green Lanterns now, or something associated with Earth. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone forgets about poor Kyle. Yes. It's not good enough, PJ. It's not. It's not. Kyle's the best Green Lantern, and he's been given short shrift. Hey, and, uh, well, speaking of Green Lanterns, PJ, do we want to mention what's up next? Uh, yes, not Kyle. <laughs> yeah, it's not Kyle. And, according to the trivia, PJ, this is a direct response to the popularity of the Justice League cartoon. It is, yeah. Kyle left the Justice League book. I believe he was still starring in the main Green Lantern book, but he sort of went mm. into space or something. And so they bring back old John Stewart. Yes, and they change his design in the comics to more closely reflect his costume and personality uh, from the cartoon. Yeah, which I'm that... fine with. Yeah, and I, I've said it before, but Lucy, my wife, um, she used to watch the Justice League cartoon. That was her introduction to literally just Green Lantern as a concept. Yeah. And was always amazed when people were like, oh, yeah, no, Green Lantern's a white guy. And they're like, what? Like, you know, <laughs> it was John Stewart or nothing, basically. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't. Because next, uh, next we're looking at the uh, return of Morrison to the JLA from 2005 when, when they wrote the first three issues of JLA Classified. Yes. Uh, so we'll be looking at issue one of JLA Classified next time. But, yeah, John Stewart was on the team. Uh, other than that, I think it's pretty much the Magnificent Seven plus Plastic Man. Uh, oh no, there's no no, there's no Plastic Man in this one. Oh, okay. Was this? Oh, I can't remember where in the. I think we're in the Joe Kelly run when this starts, aren't we? Mark Wade's yeah. been gone. I think. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because Plastic Man became a bit of a staple of the team. Um, but yeah, it's basically the Magnificent Seven, but Kyle's been swapped out with John Stewart. And Aquaman has had a shave and has his magic water hand, I want to say. Okay. Rather than his his metal attachment hand. I, I haven't read these issues since they were released in 2005. Oh, wow. Okay. I, I, I bought them as individual issues back then when they were coming out, JLA Classified, and I haven't read revisited them. So this is going to be an interesting one for me. I kind of say I've enjoyed Justice League. Uh, sorry, I've enjoyed JLA Year One. Uh, I am very excited to get back into Morrison territory. <laughs> uh, not that I, I said enjoyed Year One, but like I'm craving some Morrison. Um, I I really like this little story. I really like this little story. Um, you don't get a lot of Justice League in it. No. We're going to be spending some time with uh, some other fun Morrison characters, but like, oh, it's got all that Morrison weirdness I really love. <laughs> I'm looking forward to revisiting it for the first time. And Ed McGuinness art, so that's fun. Indeed, indeed, yeah. It's like, um, obviously, um, Morrison came back to the League a few times, you know, did Final Crisis. Mm. Um, this feels more like the League than they did during Final Crisis, yes. I think. Yeah. So, yeah, it's Morrison having fun. 
Yeah, this and... was like the launch of the JLA anthology book was effectively what Classified was, where different creators would come in and do different stories each time and and just have some fun with the JLA and assorted character. Remember when Spider, uh, Spider-Man had um, Spider-Man's Tangled Web around the same time where each time it was different creators would come in and tell stories about oh. Spider-Man or his supporting cast or whatever? It was that, yeah, but with the knowledge. JLA. I'm trying to... Um, so, yeah, and this obviously came out in January 2005. Mm. And Morrison... I'm just checking the spreadsheet. Morrison's run on JLA ended in May 2000. It was a big deal. I remember this being a big deal at the time that Morrison was coming back to the league for a story. That's how you... To be fair, that's how you launch a new a new book, isn't yeah. it? You know, you get a superstar creator in... But I'm trying to think about, like, you know, that's a five-year gap, and Morrison's gone away, and in that time has done new X-Men, all-star Superman, I yeah. want to say. Uh, and, of course, um, oh, um, well, uh, Earth 2. Earth 2, as well, came out uh, around the end of the, yeah, the end of the end of the Morrison series, as well. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, crikey, this is, a, this is an older and wiser Morrison, basically. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I really am. Oh, Oh, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. <laughs> We've got some fun stuff coming up over the next... We're, we're on the, the, the road to episode 100. We still haven't fully defined what episode 100 is going to be yet, but we're on the road to it, and we've got some interesting things on the way. Yes, we... Yes, so... Uh... Yeah, but, uh, thank you for sticking, sticking with us this long. I mean, with a milestone this big uh on the horizon you might as well come on come on folks you might as well give us another 10 episodes yeah, you know, yeah. a lot a lot of shows don't reach episode 100 a lot of shows with many more listeners than we have don't often reach episode 100 so 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 there so pj's pj's calling them out we're stubborn we're stubborn yeah well frankly pj that's that's comics in a nutshell it's just you just gotta be stubborn just don't quit um, but no, I'm I'm looking forward to more Morrison, mm. of which there is going to be uh, a good chunk of in yes. the next kind of uh, in the next ten ten uh, ten episodes. Yeah. And um, I'm looking forward to more Superman and Batman. Yes, me too. Me too. They'll they'll be around. There's the, one of the books we've got coming up has some big Batman stuff in it. PJ, I think I think we have kind of um, reached uh, reached the end of this little adventure. Is there anything you'd like to shout out? Anything you'd like to draw attention to? Um, yes. Speaking of. 100th episodes uh, <laughs> I know the week this episode comes out uh, this episode 89 of the JLA cast correct correct yep yes uh, episode 99 of the measure of a fan my Star Trek podcast is also coming out which means episode 100 of that will be out within the next couple of weeks as well um, I would dearly love it if you maybe check that out as well we are for episode 100 of the measure of a fan finally starting on the first episode of Star Trek Discovery. It's just chance that it's worked out like that, but it's quite <laughs> momentous. So uh, please do join us for that. Oh, bloody hell, PJ. What an achievement. Bravo. I know. I know. Two podcasts here, both hitting the high numbers. Oh, you're going you're gonna to transcend, PJ. Something's going to happen. stubborn. <laughs> it's gonna, like a beam of light's going to come down from the heavens. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll enter your new form. I will ascend to podcast godhood. Podhood. Podhood. Oh my god. Ah, <laughs> oh, PJ, you're too good. Wasted on us. Wasted yeah. on us. Um I don't think I oh gosh, I don't think I have anything else to shout about. Um other than I'm very happy to say that um work is now beginning on Afterlife Inc. Volume seven, mm-hmm. which is very exciting indeed. It's been it's been too long. But uh yeah, so that's so lots of wheels turning behind the scenes here, which is very exciting. Um yeah, and looking forward to sharing some of that soon. 
So, with that in mind, PJ, I think it's, uh, I should uh, thank Gav Mitchell for drawing our incredible cover artwork. Uh, and I'll thank Elliot Red for composing and performing our amazing theme tune, Justice. And PJ, um, perhaps you could, for the last time in this, well, I was going to say year-long, year-long tr- journey into the past, but you know what I mean. Uh, could you please see us off in your own unique fashion? Uh, end year one. Let's start year two. Twenty two. What? No years. <laughs> <laughs>